1: Welcome to pit pass moto the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in the motorcycle industry right to you i'm dave sulecki
0: and i'm dale spangler and this week our guest is moto america twins cup racer anthony mazziato this week's episode is brought to you by our sponsor moto america moto america is an official sponsor of pit pass moto the 2022 moto america season has only one action-packed round remaining who will be crowned the 2022 Superbike Champion? Jake Gagne or Danilo Petrucci? Find out at the final round showdown, September 23rd through the 25th at Barber Motorsports Park outside Birmingham, Alabama. Get your tickets now at MotoAmerica.com or watch practice qualifying and races on the MotoAmerica America Live Plus video on demand streaming service. Get your tickets and reserve a camping spot at MotoAmerica.com, and be sure to follow MotoAmerica on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So, how was your weekend, Dave? Um, not much going on for me here in Boise. Fall is always my favorite time of the year. Amazing riding, fall colors. Finally, getting a break from the massive heat wave we had here in Idaho. We had over 25 days in triple digits this year, so super stoked to be back riding and some nice cool weather and we got some great stuff coming up this weekend though so um looking forward to that but yeah what what would you get up to this past weekend?
1: Yeah a lot of bike projects going on so uh, as the weather gets colder definitely love riding in that kind of fall weather and the trees start to turn which is what's going on in Ohio we've really had just a great riding season all around so no complaints there but I tell you we're on the doorstep of uh Two major moto events this this weekend. You've got the Motocross of Nations going on at Redbud, and you've got the Moto America Final down at Barber. I mean, uh, it's pretty cool. And at Barber, I know they've got about five classes up for grabs out of the seven. As we know, the King of the Baggers was decided with uh, Tyler O'Hara. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who can pull off that Superbike series.
0: Yeah, like you said, two kind of marquee events going on motocross of nations back in the United States at Redbud in Michigan. And I got to say Team USA is looking pretty good this year. I mean, I think uh, we have a really good chance of finally taking the win again after quite a few years. I also noticed online there was uh, our buddy Rob Bidos was talking about the pit bike of nations, which I think on Saturday night is probably going to be as much fun, if not more than the actual race the next day on Sunday. So I think, I, I wish I could be there. Um, not sure if you're going, Dave, because you're not too far away, but I imagine at this point in, in the game, it's uh, probably a little too late to even think about going up there. It'll be it'll be crowded, though.
1: Yeah, it always is. It's a, it's a great draw for, for, I guess, the Midwest. Get a lot of locals that go up there, and I know somebody from our office will be up there this weekend, along with some relatives and friends, but uh, yeah, I do like our chances. We've got a strong team this year. Glad to see Tomac out there. Justin Cooper on the 250, and uh, Sexton obviously on the uh, on the 452. So any predictions? Uh, I really like USA, and I'm not trying to be a homie on this, but <laughs> I, I really, really like our chances when I look at the strength of the other teams. Netherlands looks good, uh, possibly Italy, who won last year, obviously, and uh, I think Great Britain is a strong-looking team. So really, I like our chances. I think we've got man for man about. Most of the class is covered, but uh, it's the motocross of nations. Anything can happen. You know that. And uh, it's looking like uh, it's going to be some good weather. So uh, that's going to maybe not be a factor where it was back in 2018 at uh, Redbud when they had a mud bath. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's definitely uh, one of my favorite events of the year that I look forward to because it is the Olympics of motocross. You got uh, your best riders from every country going head to head. All on the same day, so uh, definitely look forward to it.
0: Definitely, there's so many good teams this year too. I just, I just feel like it's hard to even really kind of pick a top three. Obviously, I, you know, I picked Team USA to win, but you know, as far as my second, and third, like my kind of take after just looking at all the teams this morning was, I'd say Team France is definitely always a player. They got Musquin, Maxime Renault and Dylan Fernandez. That's a pretty strong team, and then of course Team Australia. We've got the Lawrence brothers and Mitch Evans who when he's on form, he can be as fast as anybody. So I kind of was putting those in my top three. And then my wild card, who I think could surprise a lot of people, is Team Spain. Jorge Prado, Ruben Fernandez, and Guillaume Ferez, who we've seen race in the U.S. and have really good top 10 results in 250. So I think they're going to be kind of a sleeper team for uh, potentially getting on the podium even.
1: Yeah, good call on Spain. I'm looking forward to seeing Prado ride here. He is supposed to come to the U.S. Uh, in 2023, so it'll be cool to see the man go. But uh, with Team France, uh, that could be a bit difficult because I think Ferrandis is injured. So uh, the rumor is he probably won't ride, and I haven't really read who the fill-in rider is. So that may bump France down the down the pecking order a little bit. But um, it's going to be a show, man. It always is. And uh, like I said at the beginning, I like our chances and. Uh, we'll see this uh Saturday.
0: Yep. And of course, like we were talking about Moto America final this weekend, the Superbike showdown between Danilo Petrucci and Jake Gagne. So that's going to be a pretty good, you know, down to the wire race and then of course our guest that's coming on here today, Anthony Masiato and uh Melissa Paris's rider Blake Davis, are going to battle it down to the wire in the uh Twins Cup class, so I think there's, like you said, there's definitely some championships on the line. I also saw some pretty cool breaking news here recently. Speaking of Moto America, where uh, Cameron Bobier has decided to leave Grand Prix racing and part ways with American Racing at the end of 2022, and he's going to return to Moto America Superbikes. So that series is going to get even stronger next year. And then I think one of the other cool American uh, updates I saw was uh, Garrett Gerloff will be joining the Bonovo Action BMW team for his fourth season in World Superbike. So definitely some cool stuff going on with American riders, but I thought it was interesting to see that uh, Bobier is going to be coming back to the U.S. next year.
1: Yeah, how about that? When he was here, he dominated with Yamaha. I mean, he was basically like what Gagne is doing. So uh, could you imagine those two head to head in that class and maybe throw in Petrucci? That uh, Superbike class is going to just be epic. Next year, if Beaubier can get a ride, which I have my personal predictions, I think a team like Westby Racing could pick him up, which would keep him on Yamaha, which is a known element for him. And uh, it'll be be action-packed, no doubt, and uh, definitely fun to watch. And Moto America is really, just really throwing it out there. These last couple of seasons have been highly competitive. The racing has been very compelling and very action-packed with everything they've done with baggers. And, uh, all the way down to, um, junior cup, it's just been competitive and fun and always action packed.
0: I totally agree. Yeah. It's been a great season to, I mean, I've fully gotten into it this year, you know, after not really following it for a few years. And so really enjoyed getting to know the racers and just the whole series. And they just do such a great job and it's only going to get better. So we've got two fun races to watch this weekend. Uh Barber and uh you know, Motocross of Nations. So we'll be flipping back and forth watching those this weekend and I'm sure we'll have some news for for y'all next weekend.
1: Yeah, let's hope so and let's hope for good weather because uh Barber last year was a was a wet and rainy one. And uh the last time they had motocross of nations in the US, it was a wet and rainy one. So uh maybe we'll have two uh dry races and uh really uh fun events. Look forward to it.
0: Definitely. Well, I guess that about wraps it up for this week's news and uh Now on to our interview with Anthony Mazziato. We'd like to welcome Twins Cup Moto America Racer, the number 516, Anthony Mazziato. Anthony, welcome to Pit Pass Moto. How are you today? I'm
2: good. Thank you guys for having me. Pleasure to be on.
0: Thank you. Well, it all comes down to this weekend between you and Blake Davis in the title fight for the Twins Cup Championship. You got to be excited about this weekend's challenge. Tell us about you know where, where you're at right now coming into this weekend.
2: Well, it seems to be all the pressure's off me. Uh, I got a couple points to make up, so I'm just going to go out there and, and ride my best race and see if we can't make it happen. Right now, I think we're trailing 15 points, so there really is nothing other for me to do than to go out and win and just try and put as many positions on top of Blake and Jody as possible.
0: Yeah, like you said, you kind of you really don't have anything to lose. Just go out there and do your job and hopefully win the race and maybe the championship. You'll find out. I also noticed, though, at New Jersey, you jumped into the Stock 1000 class in your, uh, quote, first big bike race and finished seventh. So uh, tell us about that. And uh, you got to be stoked about that. And any thoughts on maybe riding uh, that class in 2023?
2: Yeah, I've been speaking with a couple of people that have been helping me with my career for a long time. And it's always been like a dream of mine to ride the big bike class. And be at the top level of our little sport, but yeah, I, I wanted to try it out. I've never really—I don't really have a lot of big bike experience. I've ridden a couple of like some track days and nothing crazy. Like I've never tried to go really fast on it, so uh, that was my first like real weekend trying to go really fast on the big bike, and I was pretty pleased with my progress. My goal goal that weekend was to go faster than I had gone on the 600, and I was able to beat my 600 personal best around Jersey, so I was pretty thrilled with that.
1: So, Anthony. Uh... I know this is uh, your first full season on that Aprilia, and uh, it's a new platform to that Twins Cup class over the last two years, but it seems like they've really worked out the bugs and got that thing dialed in. I mean, what is it that you like the most about that 660 over, uh, over past bikes you've ridden? Um, so I haven't ridden the Yamaha,
2: but uh, right away when I jumped on the 660, I thought I had a really good platform and that handled really well compared to like the usual 600s and street bikes that I was racing in the past in super sport. Uh, I found the bike was pretty rigid and it handled like pretty good. So I was able to push on it really hard and really make the Dunlop tires work. And then things had really great grip. And I think it was a pretty good combination. And that bike was definitely, I think last year, a killer for that class. And this year Yamaha stepped it up a little bit and they're definitely putting the fight to us, but I think there yeah, two pretty pretty competitive bikes for that class and I think that's how it's going to be for a little while going on for Twin Cup future.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that Yamaha kind of come on late this season with Blake. And I got to wonder, I mean, it seems like Yamaha has invested some into that bike and they're doing a little maybe a little bit more. I think they're allowed to do a little bit more than uh than you can do the Aprilia. Yeah, I'm not
2: too sure like how that went down, but it did seem about halfway through the year Yamaha started getting some really good results. So I think they'd probably put some time and effort into this program halfway through the year. They weren't just going to let Aprilia really a snag it from them, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> did I also see where you also just signed a new partnership, or Rodeo Racing to sign a new partnership with Robum Engineering for the rest of 2022 season. So tell us about what's going on there, and uh, is that just something you kind of did mid-season as a decision to try and win that title?
2: Yeah, there was a, a little falling out between the two sponsors that, were helping me throughout the year. So uh, Rodeo had just split off from HSBK and then Robum pretty much jumped in and helped fill that spot, that void that we had there. And they put us a bike together for our last two rounds for me to go and, uh, give it hell on it. So I can't thank Matt enough for building me a motorcycle this late in the season, unexpectedly like that. Definitely huge for him to be able to do that for us.
0: Yeah. You have a, definitely an interesting career path. I was looking at, um, So you finished fifth last year in the Twins Cup class, and that was after starting halfway through the season as a fill-in rider. So this this year is your first full year of racing since 2018. So uh, how did all this come about with you landing that ride last year, and uh, are we going to see a full time going forward, uh, 2023 and beyond?
2: I took a little break from racing. Um, It was me and my family doing it primarily before when I was younger. So uh, once I graduated out of high school, they were pretty much trying to make me figure out how to keep my career going you know like any parent would they want to have their kid thrive and succeed without them helping them out their whole entire lives so uh, it took me a little while to figure that out though I kind of went and started cutting hair for a little bit I was just riding my dirt bike and just doing normal stuff living a normal life but then I had gotten the chance to ride a uh, Dominic Doyles' bike at BIR when he had broke his wrist at Atlanta in 2021 and I did pretty decent after not riding a road race bike for three years. I'm not sure exactly what position it was, but it's two top tens and not too far off the lead guys and beat a couple of the fast guys for not riding for a while. And after that, I guess there was a team below Che was looking to put somebody on a bike to test this uh, really out for another rider on their team. And I got the call up to do that. So that was really cool. And I did well enough on that bike that they decided to keep me for the rest of the year.
1: So, you touched on this, and I was actually going to be one of my questions to you, uh, Anthony. Was uh, one of your hidden talents or skills is the fact that you are a barber? And, uh, yeah, I
2: do. I cut hair.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, is that something you do full time on the side, or?
2: I was doing it full time. I was doing it full time for the two, three years. I wasn't racing. And then uh, I started racing again. And when I was traveling, my, my boss was getting on top of me about being at work because. I was traveling a lot throughout that year, and just the racing started picking up heavy, and I couldn't have a full time job anymore. So it was a mutual agreement between me and them guys, and then I just started cutting here at my house. Now I have a couple of friends, a couple of clients, small group of people that I I cut at
1: my house every couple of weeks. Any chance you bring the equipment to the racetrack on the on the weekends? Or
2: I usually bring my stuff to New Jersey because it's the close round, and I try to plan something out to where I could cut some people throughout the weekend, but this year, uh, between doing the stock thousand and the twin stuff, it was just a lot on my plate, and I had a lot of a lot of riding going on, and I didn't have as much free time as I thought. to squeeze squeezing some haircuts, so I didn't actually get to cut anyone out last weekend.
1: I got you, I got you. That's still pretty cool, though, man. That's a great, great side story. But uh, I wanted to talk to you about uh, early on in the season, actually, the very start of the season. You've got probably one of the more watched videos on YouTube, which is when you got pulled up against the wall at Daytona. I wanted to kind of ask you, what went down in that situation? I understand that you've had about four or five bikes in front of you. There might have been a funny draft that kind of pulled you up against the wall. I remember the the picture of your leathers where you were all scraped up. I mean, that was an oh, shit moment like I've never seen before in my life. I mean, you had to have been just thankful that uh, that you pulled out of that okay.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, every time I go to the racetrack nowadays, that's like the first thing people call to say to me. <laughs> They're like pretty amazed by that save, but. Yeah, it was pretty scary Uh, at the time on the bike. I was behind, I think I was in fifth place and everyone was drafting each other on the banks at Daytona and I had never been there before. This was my first time actually being at Daytona so with the way Moto America works you get practice, the qualifying, another the qualifying, and you go right into racing. So this would be my first time in a pack of riders on the banks and I was pretty unfamiliar with how deep into the banking I was and when it was going to flatten out but I had gotten a really good draft off the two bikes in front of me, and I pulled out to the right to go around the outside, and there was another bike on the right, so I caught a draft off him, too, and then the bank started flattening out, and when I was turning, I just couldn't, I could not turn enough. <laughs> I was just going straight towards that wall. I caught a funny pocket of air from the bikes in front of me that were pushing the air in a little pocket, pretty much. The guy in front of me was all the way up against the wall, and then the two riders a little bit down below, so I just hit this blank space of air, and I started floating right into that thing.
0: It certainly sounds like one of those lifetime sketchy moments that uh, <laughs> you'll remember forever, but would probably like to forget more than anything.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it all happens so slow, too. I know everyone talks about when they have these crazy crash moments and everything, and they just see everything happening in slow motion, and it, it really does work like that. I remember right before I ran into the wall, I shut my eyes for a second, and then I bounced off it. And I didn't feel the ground yet, so I opened them back up, and I was looking at the tops of everyone's helmets, and that's not usually a sight that I usually get to see because I'm a short guy, so that was definitely a different perspective. I bet.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America
2: has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial
1: centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: So you grew up in uh, Hamilton, New Jersey, which has the uh, self proclaimed title of Blueberry Capital of the World, and it's also in the heart of the Pine Barrens region. So. Tell me about growing up there and how you got into riding dirt bikes. And I think that's what I saw. You started maybe at age four riding dirt bikes.
2: Yeah, so I live in Hamilton. I moved here when I was pretty young. Like My first time riding a dirt bike was here in Hamilton. So They had this little private track near my house. It's not there any longer. It's called Chatsworth MX Park. And my dad grew up taking me there on the CR50 and stuff when we were younger. And then we started doing a little bit of like hair scramble racing and some motocross stuff and up to like the 65 cc's and then my dad actually built the two bridges in the tower at njmp and when they were doing the construction for that he had seen the track and everything and he asked me if we wanted to try out that stuff so i decided to give it a go and i haven't really touched too many dirt bikes since then
0: yeah i think i saw too where you did you break your femur riding motocross and i would imagine that put a dampener on your your motocross training
2: (laughs) Yeah, this was after I had stopped. So, this was 2019. I had broken my femur. So, that was after I had stopped racing. And I was just trying to do a little bit of riding on the side without spending too much money. So, I had a dirt bike and I would take it to various tracks here and there on the weekends and to some pits and build some jumps with some friends
0: and jump them. Have a good day. Yeah, that is not a, f- a fun bone to break in your body.
2: Yeah, I had a rough time with it, too. I had to have a couple surgeries on it because I had a couple non unions and then I had screws unscrewing themselves inside and i, yeah, I had a, a nightmare with that that was a really long process way probably about double the amount of time for at the heel than it's supposed to so it's definitely not a fun time
0: definitely not so what what does your training regimen look like these days do you ride like more supermoto the mini bikes or like how what's what's your kind of like preferred method of uh you know training for road racing
2: Definitely a little bit of Supermoto. Not too much because I don't have a Supermoto. I ride my 390 and my KTM 390 that I I rode back in the day with the Junior Cup class, which was the 390 class back in the day. Uh, So that's the bike I usually take to the car tracks to ride. I prefer really to go out and do track days like or any kind of club race and stuff where I can actually go out and and ride the big tracks on my big bike. I have a a Kawasaki ZX6 that was gifted to me uh, in someone's will that was really helpful in my career when i was younger so that was really cool to have that passed down to me and now i have that thing that i take to track days pretty much that's the main main form of training that i like to do is go and actually ride the bike because there really isn't anything better than that because that's what you're training for so
1: and it seems like uh the area that you grew up racing and uh, just in general that new jersey area you know eastern pennsylvania a lot of fast riders came out of that area including yourself or brandon posh and kayla yakov just uh, just a treasure trove of fast racers is that from coming up in that new jersey uh, racing environment or is it the mini gps that you raced where everybody kind of came up through that that program together
2: yes i think there was a real good group of us that we had all started out at the same time with nj mini gp and we were all just there to push each other and get faster and learn from each other throughout all of our career pretty much from the time we started so i can remember riding with brandon even before we were doing the road race stuff when we were doing the motocross stuff like at at raceway park english town we used to race 50s against each other so it's been a long time me and brandon have been riding with each other and we have just continued to help grow each other throughout our careers
1: Definitely fast company. And uh, Brandon, uh, he's, he's he had a pretty good uh, run at Daytona, I can tell, because uh, he's got both his wrists covered now. So,
2: Yeah, like the new Scott Russell down there. <laughs> yeah, ex-
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah. You can call him Mr. Daytona from New Jersey. Just thinking about that crew, though, who who's been the toughest competitor that you're up against and you run into regularly and are always battling with? Is there one particular rider or no? From our group?
2: When we were growing up, Brandon was always my number one competitor. Me and him used to always be bad on for the number one spot between our little age group. And then there's another group right behind us that's a little younger with like Gus Rodeo, LaMondre, Spencer Humphreys and all them kids. They're coming through the same kind of deal me and Brandon did. They're just a little bit younger. So they're coming through a little bit later through the ranks, but they're going to be right where we are.
0: So I saw one of your social posts and I thought it really stood out to me. as just a, just a cool quote. It said, uh, be somebody who makes everybody feel like a somebody. Is that kind of like a personal model for you? Or is it just kind of like something where you just, you know, go about your life that way and just, uh, have fun and strive for those feel good vibes? Oh uh,
2: yeah. I just try to, you know, make everyone feel like they have a part in something, you know, like I remember when I wasn't racing motorcycles and I was kind of just trying to find my way out there. It's hard, you know, trying to build a new career or anything and anything without knowing people. So just, yeah, I guess that's a pretty good model to live by and trying to make somebody always feel like somebody even if they don't feel like somebody.
0: Now back to that, you said like taking that a couple years off. I mean, that had to be tough to come back after, I believe it was almost a full two years that you didn't even race. That also probably made you kind of look at it a little differently when you did come back i would assume that maybe it a little bit more coming back that second time
2: yeah for sure uh it's definitely hard to put something like this together especially as like a privateer uh takes a lot from everybody on all aspects that i didn't really think about when i was younger and how a program like this goes together so now that i'm trying to put programs like this together in the off season and figure out how I'm going to make the next big step on my own. It, it definitely makes me really appreciate what my parents did for me when I was younger and, and putting it all together for me and doing what they could to get me to succeed.
0: Yeah. So I also noticed um, one of your social posts that I thought was awesome, too, is that you like to do wheelies on your mini bike. And uh, you said wheelies are good for feelies. Yeah. Is that something that you like to get up to though when you're not racing is just kind of playing around on the mini bikes? Like what, what else you like to do for hobbies like BMX, anything else like that?
2: Yeah, definitely growing up. I did a lot of BMX stuff and just all sorts of nonsense adrenaline junkie, you know? <laughs> uh, but definitely wheelies are my favorite. I think if I wasn't a, a road racer, I'd probably try my skills out and doing some and stuff. Cause I really do enjoy doing wheelies. Uh, I'm not killer on the stoppies. I haven't mastered doing the stoppies yet, but my wheelies are pretty good. I could do some hand-dragging wheelies, 12 o'clock wheelies, coasting wheelies, all sorts of cool stuff, so definitely enjoy doing those.
1: So definitely, uh, for most racers, there's a team of uh, people behind them to get them on the racetrack and that. So who's, who's the, the primary people in your program that, that you really look to for advice and, and guidance when you're at the racetrack?
2: Uh, there's a big group of them. There isn't just one main guy that helps our program out. Uh, definitely everybody's input helps us put this together. Uh, Rodeo Racing, obviously, they have took me in this year and helped me out a ton by bringing all my stuff to the track and running a team that I could ride under their tent. So that was really cool for them to take me in this year. Uh, Robum for helping us halfway through the season. I got to thank Bobby as well for helping us throughout the beginning of the season. I know things might not have turned out the way everybody wanted them to, but I still gotta appreciate his help that he did give me at the beginning of this season. Geoscape Solar, that's a guy local, he does some solar stuff by me. Uh, he's been a big contribution to my program by helping me pay for tires. Uh, Ryan's Barbershop, guy out in California, another barbershop barber, he gives me some money for travel costs and stuff. So. There's a big, giant group of people, I think, that helped me do what I'm doing, and I might not be able to remember and name them all right now, but them guys really, uh, they make it happen, so I got to thank
1: them all. And definitely keeping you racing, which is the most important part. Where's the best place to find you on social media or on the websites or uh, on the internet? Um, I'm on
2: Facebook. I don't really use it as much. I kind of just have it there to use the messenger and and chat every now and then for the holidays and stuff, but... Instagram is usually my main spot that I'm more active on. I'm on Instagram at Anthony underscore
1: Masiato. Well, for sure. We appreciate you taking time to spend with us on Pit Pass Moto today. And uh, definitely in uh, four days, we're looking forward to seeing you down at Barber. And we wish you the best of luck down there, man.
2: No, thank you, guys. I really appreciate you having me on.
1: Absolutely. And you're definitely welcome back anytime, Anthony. Thanks for spending time with us, man. Thank you, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review us. We'd really appreciate it. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog, listen to past episodes, and purchase your own Pit Pass Moto swag. This has been a production of
0: Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, and the production
1: team at Wessler Media. I'm Dale Spangler. And I'm Dave Sulecki. See you next week on Pit Pass Moto.
3: Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial a veteran of the paddle tennis world and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players